On another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation, we continue our weekly coverage of Demon Slayer's entertainment arc, and this week we tackle episode 9, Defeating an Upper-Ranked Demon. So stay tuned for that right after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the animation deliberation dream team as it has become known as, as, as we've continued these weeks with the, with the same crew here. It's exciting. Why don't you introduce yourselves, gentlemen? I am Zuhara Lee. As a human being, I'm doing great right now. As a fan of this show, I'm not okay. <laughs> Understandably so. I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, I'm Andrew Rogers, and yeah, I'm excited for everything, but... Why did Jay Scotty have to be so close to right when it comes to these characters just falling away from us sometimes? Straight into spoiler talk, eh? Well, I was going to say, we've been doing that segment where we kind of rank the episode, you know, from yeah to yeah. But I feel like we can't even do that this week. There's just no need to bury the lead. We need to get right into it. I feel like... I, I got you know, mine. Okay, what you got? What you got? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I will yeah. say at the top here, I'm a little in the middle on this episode. I'm not going to totally lie. I'm at, I'm at like a yeah, but okay, interesting. You know, oh, jokes aside, I I would cry too, but I I am definitely a little lower than I was last week, which might Ooh. surprise some people. And my disappointment from last week set the bar so low that it's like it, this picked it right back up. Yeah, I I liked last week's episode, but I am surprised to hear that you enjoyed this week's episode less less so, because I feel like all the issues that we had with last week's episode in terms of like losing momentum and not getting as much action, I feel like they took all that momentum from last week and put it in this week's episode. And there were so many epic moments, uh, so many heartbreaking moments. But uh, yeah, let's let's just get into it. The episode opened with a bit of a flashback where we get a little more insight into Tangan's character. He's visiting his siblings' graves, or their grave, their collective grave, it looked like, um, with his three wives. And just getting those little character beats there, my biggest kind of takeaway, not to be you know disingenuous, but we take things seriously, but not too seriously. I kind of realized that his wives are not unlike another one of my favorite action animated series. They basically have the personalities of the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. So yeah, Suma yeah. is Bubbles, Makio is Buttercup, and Hinotsuru is Blossom. Exactly. And oh, that, I like it. You, yeah, it even translates because even though Hinatsuru, Hinatsuru is the most capable and kind of the leader, just like Blossom, 
I still find my favorite being Buttercup, aka Makio, though a little more prickly one, which makes sense given that uh, Inosuke is my favorite of our trio of leads. But uh, what what takeaways did you guys have from these flashbacks? Uh, he clearly has a favorite. There's oh, no yeah. denying that. Uh, <laughs> Hinatsuru is definitely his favorite wife, but um, I it it definitely portrayed a lot of the the burden that he carries because he doesn't forget where he comes from and what his roots are. So the fact that he was raised a certain way, he had to watch his sibling die, and like everything that he does from here on out is in like it's making up for like the darkness that he's lived through and he didn't have a say in a lot of it like it was just a system that he was forced into which was really unfortunate and he understands that he has a skill set but he he understands that he needs to make up for the blood on his ledger and he's trying to do it for the betterment of humanity now and like he does he does hold in high regard like his flashiness and, you know, being amazing at everything. But it all comes down to making sure he's taking care of the right people and protecting the right people. And you see the way that he snaps when he knows his life was in danger. Uh, that that conversation between the four of them added more weight to the scene that followed after. Certainly. Yeah, I, I was going to say all the same things. It really helped to just humanize the wives. Like, not that they were in any way objectified in any way, because obviously uh, Uzui did a very good job of making sure that they weren't like that. But they did a little bit just kind of feel like, oh, there's a lot of jokes. He has three wives. They're just three women that are here for him. This did such a good job of quickly in a nice snapshot flushing out them as characters giving us more of their personality but like you said the way that he cares about them and the way that he is acknowledging writing his own wrongs you know he had the direct line i'm gonna go to hell someday sorry shouldn't have said that i don't want to get another tongue lashing like right you know the jokes that can be said there completely put to one side he really knew what he wanted to do and he wanted to write those wrongs and bring them closer you know to the light side of his life you know leave behind this dark but give more and like you said they are his favorites but i also did realize something because i kind of asked the question of all right they seem a little bit immature why does that seem i don't know if the wiki i was looking at is right now or in that flashback but they are all incredibly young oh uzui is supposed to be my age uzui is supposed to be 23 which wow. is yeah i don't look like that at all i wish i did <laughs> um and then makio is 20 suma is the youngest at 19 and hinatsuru is the oldest at 21 oh, okay so they don't exactly have a lot of life experience outside of the shinobi if any at all or outside of uzui so they've definitely grown almost up together in that way and you can kind of see that as you think about it more the way that they rely on one another the way that they treat each other comes from a little bit of immaturity but also having to have this bond from such a young age i'll provide a little bit of perspective on like why that's not unusual um because like i learned that my great grandmother was 15 when she got married Oh, because wow. the life expectancy was so low, especially in third world countries, because uh, this is what, 1920s, um, late 1800s. Sure. Uh, so 
especially with you know demons taking over and stuff like that that's why there's so much respect for the elderly because for somebody to make it to a particular age is so unusual right and they're little people of wisdom so culture wise and timeline speaking like it's it's not unusual if you put it in that perspective Oh, yeah. And I think my surprise when I said that in such a surprising way, it was nothing at the ages being that they're married. Like, that is what it is culturally, especially for back then. I think it was just more the wisdom that Uzui seems to bring to the table. Yeah. I figured he was in his mid-20s, early 30s kind of age range. Like, he was obviously still young, but I still expected he had, you know, years and years under his belt of this fight training i didn't expect him to again literally be my own age that was what caught me so off guard because i could never expect to have the wisdom and guidance over i mean yes these are still 15 year old kids i would not lead kids like this into the battle i I couldn't (laughs) imagine doing something like that it's just not yeah some people are forced to grow up early yeah yeah especially in those times but um i like what you both of you bring up um, definitely the characterizations of the three wives. And then even just, I, I like what you said, Zuhair, about the blood on the ledger, because that was a revelation for us. And I think that's something that probably we don't have the full backstory for the other Hashira, but I have to imagine that's something that kind of separates him from his fellow Hashira is not just having, you know, demon blood on his hand, but actual human blood on his hand. And it, it kind of speaks to the episode title, you know, Hinatsuru had that line, like, once we defeat an upper rank demon, let's just go back and live normal lives because that's the only way after we do that, we've kind of atoned and we can hold our heads up high. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I mean, the episode just really picks up right where we left off. We were wondering, you know, are they going to be successful in beheading Gitaro? And no, they're not. He isolates and neutralizes that poison in an instant and grows back his limbs which is just, I, I said there are so many epic and heartbreaking moments, but I think all the heartbreaking moments involved Gitaro from not getting beheaded then to when, you know, Tangan and Tanjiro again were kind of working in unison and you think that he might get beheaded there and his size just come out of nowhere. And then he twists his head around and, and bites the second blade. It's just, man, they cannot catch a break with this guy. And you gotta think, like, he's so confident in his ability to regenerate that you know he actually broke his neck to make sure that he could spin his head all the way. Like, he got a quick start, and you heard the crack. It's like, oh! Ah! I wanted to know if that was a little bit of a, hey, Uzui, I can catch a blade too. You're not special with your fingers at the end of this, because it seemed (laughs) almost exactly like the way that he did it when he swung his blade earlier on. But... I like that take because I did notice like the line after that was just total smack talk. He's like beheaded by the likes of you. Never going to happen. And he just is gleeful about it. We don't get to see a lot of uh, Uzui's sound forms too. So I do like when they incorporate that, like after the blocked hit, like he had to kick Tanjiro away because those bloodsicle like whirlwinds were kicking in, but then he had like his own move to counteract it. Which I notice, um, uh, it's like what you do with nunchucks, where you like throw it over the back of your shoulder, grab it, and just keep doing that. So that's all he was doing for those whirling motions to get those slashes. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Great catch. It was interesting that his size were kind of able to have like this fleshy growth and actually grow onto the other uh, to their swords and have them stuck in place. Like that's uh. this character is already. In- incredibly unsettling but then the fact that he's able to do that oh that uh, was on the second so block 
where right right uh that, that's man that's such a huge thing that Tanjiro learned how to mix his elements on the spot and he was actually despite how burnt out he was like he was fast enough to save uh Hinatsuru right by chopping off his arms get her out of the way and then still have like man the way that Uzui jumped up and he was like you have my gratitude as he was going in for the kill shot again I was like ah this is so good yeah, I love this show so much, and then it just makes me cry after it's breaking <laughs> breaking his neck just to ah. Yeah, and you bring up a good point about that Tanjiro moment on the fly. I think that was actually the only real wound that we've seen Giotaro take as a demon, except for when he had the uh, kunai in his neck and he was able to neutralize all of the regeneration. That was really the only time that we've seen him be caught off guard and anything taken out. And it kind of scares me because like all this fighting is going on and we've dealt one tiny bit of damage to him. We keep thinking his neck is going to come off and he just keeps blocking it, growing things, snapping his own neck, whatever's happening. Like, how is that the only thing that could happen? It's, it's bad. Yeah. All that for a drop of blood. (laughs) Great (laughs) reference. (laughs) Yeah, and we talk about all the heartbreaking moments and all the epic moments, but I feel like that was kind of the really the first epic moment is when Tanjiro is able to blend those two breathing styles. And I love the callbacks to, you know, his former teachers, not only, uh, what is it, Tomi, Tomiaki? Tokioma. All right. Tokioma. T- Tomioka, you. I believe. Giyu. Giyu. And then uh, <laughs> Urukodaki? Urukodaki, yeah. Okay. I love how he took what he learned from both of them, not just, you know, he acknowledges that he might not ever be able to master water breathing entirely, but he can take what he learned from Urukudaki and and be flexible with those. And he has kind of the revelation himself. He's like, hey, we've talked about how all these other breathing techniques are just derivative of the the core ones. And it's just, he kind of has that light bulb moment just as the, the viewer is. And that's, you know, in the previous episode, we kind of complained a little bit about him being too expository, but those are those moments that I really appreciate. That was the I, Avatar I, I moment. I felt like it was on the verge of getting stretched out. Because sure. I feel like every week on the podcast, we're talking about how there's five elements and it splits off and this and that. So it's like, they explain it again and it got to the point where it was testing my patience, but they wrapped it up. <laughs> so it, for me, it could have been a little bit shorter. They could have like shown the graphic or something. But um, yeah, they, they did a better job with the pacing. If not, like I was sitting there like, here we go again, over explanation. <laughs> And I'll I'll jump in on that point, not to take all of the momentum out of our sales on this. And this is where kind of my one, I don't want to say issue with the episode was, but the moment that I kind of felt, eh, and my partner actually looked at me when we had that stinger in the middle where I'm assuming there's commercials when it's live on TV and just said, that's it. We're halfway through the episode. Like it just felt like nothing really big happened in that first half because Mm -hmm. you talk about him snapping his neck and blocking the swords and you know, being saved by Tanjiro. Really, I believe it was Tanjiro learned how to cross his breathings, and then we cut to that commercial break. So it was really nothing of substance happened. We got the little bit of backstory. We had, you know, him being thrown away as the blood sickles were coming out. All of the fighting and stuff happened after, and don't get me wrong, it's beautiful fighting, but it felt a little bit stunted like we didn't get enough of it we didn't get enough substance and that's why this is a little bit less in my book because although we got technically more fighting and less momentum breaks than the last episode i feel like the last episode the fighting was more intense more special and a little bit better in terms of the grand schemes 
uh, in that last episode. But like I said, it was still fantastically choreographed. I just felt like not enough happened. So up to that point that you're talking about, like before they started emphasizing uh, Dobby again, Dobby or Docky? Docky. Before they started emphasizing Docky again, it's like they're giving us hope and we're expected to have this hope and see something big happen. But it's like, hope, take it away. Hope, take it away. Hope, take it away. Hope. There's been no emphasis on, yeah, there's hope that something's actually going to go through. Which is why I like understand your frustration of like, why am I still depressed right now? Why am I still <laughs> feeling hopeless right now? Yeah, well, because I will say, I thought that the flashback of them in the field was a big sign that one of the wives was going to die. Oh, totally. Like, I thought they were talking setting... about what happens after. Yeah. Okay, one of them has to pass away. Yeah, and it's... I thought they were setting it up to be Hinatsuru for sure. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, they, they, they struggle of... to protect her. It's like, hey, you yeah. want to jump off that roof now? Like, quit saying thank you and just leave. Your liability. Well, well that kind of leads me to my next epic moment. And, it, and you're kind of right there, Andrew. This is like where the episode really started to pick up pace. And it's like you have that moment with, where Tanjiro blends the styles. But then right after that, not only it's not just him that protects Hinatsuru. Zenitsu comes in there, too. And it's just like that's when you get the start of like our three heroes like really working together and that was one of my favorite parts of the episode is just we kind of talked about it last week how often the three heroes are kind of off doing their own things or kind of getting paired off but it was just incredibly satisfying to get to see all three of them work together use their breathing techniques call out what they're doing to take out Daki I mean and not only did Zenitsu like gained the appreciation from Inosuke, he gained it from me too. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, why can't he just be like this all the time? This is awesome. He's actually making orders and he's competent and he's knowing what he's doing and he's like staying in the fight. I'm like, yo, this is a sick character. Why are you making him such a freaking baby? <laughs> While he's got his hair tied in pigtails and still has makeup on and has a snot bubble. He's yeah. still incredibly awesome. What were you going to say, Andrew? Voice, sorry? The, the voice like, makes me overlook all of that. Like I'm giggling a little <laughs> bit, but ah, the, the voice actor for that, like hats off to him. He sounds so cool. He sounds so cool, but the fact that it's the same voice actor that does both sides of it, like he can, can have the screechiness. Part? Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. No, it, it really is. <laughs> I was going to say another thing that he won a lot of kudos for in my book if you actually watch the first half of that fight with Daki when he's telling uh, Inosuke to calm down and, you know, you can't just run at it, he does not take his sword out for more than one or two moments. For the most part, he's actually dodging everything. And then it, when it happens that he has to either defend Inosuke, Hinatsuru, or uh, Tanjiro, that's when he actually mm -hmm. will take his sword out. And I thought it was both a testament to his speed and skill, but also even asleep. He's like, nah, I don't care about myself. I'll just jump out of the way. But if you're in danger, of course, I'm going to come to your help, m'lady. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great call. And um, like as much as uh, Inosuke, you know, had that moment of acknowledgement where he's like, after he was told to calm down, he's like, look at you. You really are something. I loved how Inosuke is still Inosuke. And then, you know, when Tanjiro and Zenitsu agreed to defend him, he's like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he called them his underlings again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. 
<laughs> oh, and talking about like pacing and stuff, like there was one point where where Daki was like wrapping around Tanjiro. Oh yeah. And he broke out of it with the water basin without saying mm-hmm. this form water basin. I mean, granted I probably knew it because I was playing the video game, so it's like I I really know what water basin looks like now. Uh cuz that's one of the main techniques cuz I get beat up a lot, so it's like my bug out. Um <laughs> but, it, but but that goes to show that they're showing the stuff enough that they don't have to pause to say it every time. Like this action sequence proved my point that they can throw in the dialogue while they're fighting like they did in the movie and there's a clean way to do it so it goes more to like why did you have to cut so much to explain everything it's possible they did a great job at it the way that they were rushing in and expressing their dialogue while showing some beautiful cinematic moments and at the same time when Tanjiro's like checking on Uzui and we got the cool like slashes and the clashing and everything like between the two of them in high speed I was like oh what the fuck sick like that's a wallpaper right there bud Oh, yeah. Yeah. My wallpaper moment was when all three of them went across the screen, uh, slashing Daki's blades, and you just have Inosuke Naruto running up the middle. I was yeah. Like, oh, I need to screenshot this at some point. Oh, look at and you making the Naruto reference this time. It was me, everyone. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, I, I will say, and not to counter your point at all, Zuhair, because I think you bring up a really good point of this fight did fantastic with the momentum they also proved that they don't have to break momentum because that exact moment that i'm saying is my wallpaper moment you had inosuke go into i think it was ninth form and start running and then tanjiro come up one side and shout water breathing one form and then zenitsu come up the other side and shout you know thunder breathing first form and then all three of them come together with it and at no point did it feel broken it was just like charging up he's charging up he's charging up Ah!" yeah i agree that was that was very well built up like it didn't feel like it was going it stopped and then it picked back up there was a flow where it went it slowly descended it gave you something to amp you up and then shot back up which is it worked it worked very well i agree with you 100 percent on that yeah, and I think a large part of that is that we took the focus entirely away from Tingen and we got some revelations later on. But my other big takeaway is like you kind of speak to how we're becoming more and more familiar with Tanjiro, especially his water breathing techniques. But we did get some shout outs uh, for Zenitsu's thunder breathing. I br- believe he referred to it as the thunderclap technique. But then Inosuke, I don't know if it's just because it's been so long since we've seen his beast breathing in action, but he doesn't refer to it as like sixth form or eighth form, what have you. He calls it eight fang, which I, I think is pretty unique. And that was pretty cool. And I he calls all to, of his forms fangs. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but when he finally does make his way to um, Daki and Tanjiro, you know, pointed out the fact that her flesh is too soft to just to, to slash through. He's going to have to use something else. He uses his broken beaten blades that she notes as saws to cut off her head in a um i think it was called the palisade bite or or something yeah, like that, that sounds yep. right. yeah so cool and i love the fact that when her head goes flying away you can actually see like the tattered pieces of her flesh like on her neckline as disturbing as that is it's just i love the attention to detail there it's like oh that's what a serrated blade does <laughs> and the best part about it which andrew i know you appreciate it is he said muscle as he was doing <laughs> yes it. <laughs> 
him saying it. It wasn't just the mice. It was him. I was like, favorite character saying favorite line. Like, how can I not be excited for this? <laughs> and I know we're in a fake world. And often I don't usually think about Thank these God. things. But this is the first time I looked at like the strength and stamina that your muscles would have to do to be sawing as quickly as he was. Like my arm started to hurt a little bit just thinking about that forearm workout that he's got to be doing to be able to pull that move off. I was like, oh, our boy's ripped. That's what all the training was for. Sheer willpower. I mean, our spirits couldn't have been higher at that point in the episode when, you know, Inosuke finally has the head. He's running away with it. She even tries an attack with her, her hair, but he's like, hey, you know, your attacks are pretty lame, you know? And she's like, what'd you just say to me? Like, you guys help the old man. I'm going to run with the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they just totally subvert expectations. You think he's making it away scot-free and then utter and complete total heartbreak for me. <sighs> what exactly happened? Because Tanjiro had some questions like, where was the wound? Did he get... I guess I should just explain what happened. We see Gitaro appear behind him with his scythe and he enters through his back and comes out the other side on his chest. And then you Straight see blood gush out of Inosuke's boar mask, his, his snout as well as his mouth. And we know that blade is poisoned, so... I, I don't know. I just can't actually like we're we're going back to any of our previous fans that listen to the Young Justice coverage will know that I was in denial about Superboy. Like I just still can't quite process what happened on screen in that moment. And I I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, we were so worried about the wives. We didn't think that literally everybody else was gonna die. Like Zenis was pushing Tanjiro off the roof because the the blood's going back for him. Uzui's missing an arm. Yeah, and I have to give credit to them. It was beautifully done. I don't even know if I want to call it subverting expectations. They literally tricked us because I think this is the first time in a while they actually had a triumphant, happy version of the theme song playing in the background. It was the same theme as is always going on during the fights, but they amped up the horns a little bit. You could tell they were in a higher key. So they literally made you think, oh, he's getting away. He's going to jab at or the episode's going to end. And then just full on didn't do that. Like, that's not subverting expectations. That is just literally tricking me. <laughs> and because your subconscious, when it hears that music, it doesn't think. It's just like, oh, I know what is going on. We're hitting the climax of the episode and it's over. You can't just do that to an audience. I don't like it. But mm. uh, they yeah. said, F you, we can and we will. Mm. And you're still going to watch next week. <laughs> I do love the call out on the music there because it wasn't that moment in particular that I noticed the music, but it's when we were getting. Um, the height of the action, especially when the three uh, heroes were kind of working in unison. I I noticed how much vocalization was actually used in the score. And it really reminded me of like some of the best like Star Star Wars duels. Like I can't help but think of the Duel of Fates. Like it's always been one of my favorite themes from Star Wars. And a lot of that is like the like operatic voices that you get in there. Just. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry. Good stuff. Let's <laughs> not finish it. But my one hope against all hopes 
I guess, is the fact, and this is, I mean, I don't know if this is going to pan out, but I, I'm really just kind of like you said in denial, I don't want Inosuke to be dead, but I don't know how he can come back from such a grievous wound from a poison scythe. But I notice as the episode ends in Tanjiro, I mean, we can we can talk about Utsui in just a moment here, but when Tanjiro is kind of falling back and saying his sorries to everyone that he let down, his vision starts to fade a little bit. So my hope against all hopes is kind of like maybe he's in a fever dream state and he actually hasn't been as actively participating in the, these events as much as we think he is. And maybe it's an, a hallucination of some kind, but not a lot of, I don't, I can't really ground the theory all that much. Like I said, it's just, I, I am in total denial, right? Okay. Th- that is interesting. Cause I wondered how it could be a dream because we already fought the dream demon. So I didn't mm-hmm. think there was going to be another demon doing that. Um, I started nodding my head, not that anyone could see, uh, when you were talking about his sorries, and I took note, his eyes were open when he was like, I'm sorry, Uzui, I'm sorry, Inosuke. And then right when it faded to black, there was one remaining sorry, and it was just sorry, Nezuko. Right. And as much as I thought we put her to bed, that made me think, okay, is that her call to action of hearing him say sorry, her being like, oh no, you have nothing to be sorry about, it's my turn to help you. Yeah, I had kind of postulated that she might enter back into the fray and you guys kind of persuaded me against that, you know, taking into account the grievous injuries she suffered. But as much as this episode was kind of the moment for our three heroes to work in unison together, I really think that's that's a solid theory. Like this could be Nezuko's opportunity to really work in conjunction with the remaining heroes. And maybe she can use her blood demon art and in a more rehabilitative way maybe that's maybe that's an avenue to get out of this yeah at this point all of the humans are also gone from the entertainment district besides our demon slayers so her chances of going full rager on a person also diminish a lot Mm. very true i don't think they'll do it twice in a row but also like with the whole spider family arc like that was just them on the mission and then two hashira happened to show up at the end oh yeah it's wishful thinking, but I mean, I'm, I'm not going to assume that everyone makes it out alive, but I don't think it's unlikely that one of the one of the crows could have like reported in by now. And yeah, they might could be running over. They might finally be employing that buddy system you've been encouraging so strongly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do think it's a testament to the good writing that they have put us in a corner that none of us can think of a way out. We are grasping at straws entirely at how this comes to any way that our four heroes do not die. So it's a good cliffhanger when you literally have no ideas. Cause last week we were talking about what happens next week. This week it is just us shrugging our shoulders and going, we're going to have to wait and see. And yet again, can Sunday come any quicker? Because I yeah. need to know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I made the Thanos reference. Um, and I think the way that this episode concluded was the way that that movie concluded of just hopelessness and dismay. But thankfully, we don't have to wait a whole year. True. True. (laughs) Well, before we get out of here, we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but let's talk about Tangan's fate. He has, uh, I don't know if he's dead, but he has certainly joined the ranks of Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, as well as Ulysses Claw in having lost one of his his arms it's clearly sliced off and laying beside him so we, I'm gonna again, throw we know that's a... in there too so we can keep it balanced with star wars and marvel 
Who'd you throw in there? I didn't hear. Bucky. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we know it's a poison scythe. He's already taken in a lot of poison. I think we saw him get slashed a couple of more times when, um, you know, Andrew, you mentioned that he kicked Tondra out of the way earlier on in that episode, but as much as I'm like hoping there's a way to for Inosuke to survive this, I really don't see how Tengen's going to make it out alive, especially with all the revelations we got at the beginning of the episode in terms of his character. Oh, I mean, I kind of hate myself for being like ever so slightly hopeful right now, but Suma <laughs> and Makio haven't showed up yet. Like maybe Hinosuru okay. went and grabbed them and they could like show up and just start dragging them out. Yeah, I was wondering something similar, but I I don't know. The way he was laying on the ground so unmoving. Well, he has his rule. Save yourselves, save innocent people, and then save me. If there's three wives and four people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. There's just no happy ending, and I, I, I appreciate no. them for doing that because at the same time, it's probably going to make these deaths seem more permanent, which I always like because it keeps you on the edge of your seat. But don't just don't kill Anosuke. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's going to make it out, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about this episode before we get out of here? What you got there? Your, your Anosuke pop, your Funko yeah. pop. Very don't good. Very good. <laughs> that might be <laughs> worth some extra money soon. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it here. We can end on a little bit of a joke and laugh a little bit. Cause I did have one question that we just didn't have a good, uh, way to segue into is Inosuke so far off the mark that he called Tanjiro Maniki or Manichi. There was one point just a recurring thing throughout the show. So he hasn't been that far off because he had the one comment where he said me and he not talking about Zenitsu at that point. I thought that was Zenitsu's last name, possibly. No, his last name is not even like none of their names are close to Maniki. And that's why I wanted to ask the question of who is this that Monichio or something like that. Monichio. Zenitsu Demon Slayer. What is his? His name is Zenitsu Agatsuma. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm fine with it being the running joke of him calling Tanjiro the wrong name, but usually it's like Tangado or yeah. Kamioka. Like he, he's <laughs> somewhat close. I have not seen one this like gratuitous in a while that I was like, who in the world is he talking about right now? I found a short list. Uh, it's Kamaboko, Gonpachiro. Monjiro, Santaro, <laughs> and Tontaro. <laughs> I think Tontaro might be my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there we I'm go. I'm glad we can end things on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we can end things with a little bit of levity and a little bit of laughter because, like it I said, a smile on my face. Yeah. T- total heartbreak here, just like at the end of Infinity War. <laughs> what a Thanos roll tonight. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we're going to get into plugs. Um, I'll let you guys plug what you have going on. But before that, I did intend to do this at the beginning of the episode. So I'm just going to throw it in a little bit earlier. But we do have a review contest going on. It seems like uh, it, when we incentivize the reviews, that's when we get the most. So again, I will say the first five reviews we get on Apple Podcasts, or if you submit a review another way, just let us know at uh, Animation Deliberation 
podcast at gmail.com or at the Instagram, which uh, I'll let Andrew plug there. But uh, the first five reviews we get, I will uh, do a drawing and whoever wins, I will do a um, custom cartoon, kind of a commission, whatever you want. I like to do movie, movie mashups, show mashups, what have you. Um, I do a cartoony style. So check that out at J Scotty for real. That's J-S-C-O-T-T-Y number four, R-E-E-L. And you can get an idea of uh, what kind of stuff I do. And uh, hopefully you can get some ideas, but look forward to seeing the reviews come in. Give us some love. That's it for me this week. Andrew. <laughs> sorry, just cutting off Zuhair there as he goes to talk. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. follow us on Instagram, like Jay Scotty said, uh, animation deliberation on Instagram. That's the best way if you want to get into contact with me or any of the hosts specifically, you can DM us there or as always, leave the feedback uh, elsewhere on our email, animationdeliberation at gmail.com. And besides that, I'm going to be here for a while, so keep coming back, I guess. Cuckoo. Uh, I got nothing going on this week, but I am just going to tease that I will be on a podcast that is not Stranded Panda related this week. So once that comes out, I will let you know. Good stuff. Good stuff. Very excited. Alrighty. Well, thanks folks for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Can't wait for next week, Muscle Muscle. Stay warmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard to recycle plastics can be so much more participate in the hefty energy bag program happening in your neighborhood today right here in your neighborhood here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics their destinies were changed their new lives are fantastic what once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling plastics can be so much more give the trash a second chance it was hoping
hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.